Hey, how's it going? This is Evan Jackson, video production director of New Life Church. Thank you so much for joining us for our podcast today. It's our goal to help you grow in your faith and discover all that God has for you. I hope you're encouraged, challenged, and inspired today. Enjoy the message. Today we're going to talk about the widow's might. For those of you who are just tuning in to this service, uh, for the first time we've been talking about the greatest month of generosity. Thank you. Somebody, somebody, thank you. You're getting it. And we're talking about generosity. The first week we talked about how generosity can be known. What is generosity? It can be known by the nature of God and the actions of Jesus Christ. And last week we talked about how generosity is often think, thought of as monetary. But we talked about how the greatest gift, the greatest showing of generosity that you can give is your time. Being generous with your time is far more valuable than writing a check. Do people write checks anymore? Venmo? Whatever that is now. Today I want to talk about generosity that counts. Generosity that counts. The big idea for this message is simple. Christ-like generosity is sacrificial. Christ-like generosity is sacrificial. Now, I showed you that video of the widow's might, and I want to read it right out of the, the Word of God. It's found in Luke chapter 21. Let me set the stage for you. Jesus is coming into the temple with his disciples, and he's walking in, and a scene grabs his attention. And you saw the scene, and he looks upon uh, what was these money coffers in the temple court. They were there, and people would give their offerings in the temple court, and that offering would be used to pay for the needs of the temple, the Levites and the uh, priests and the upkeep and all these types of things. And Jesus sees something that catches his eye. In verse 20, uh, chapter 21, verse 1, he says, He looked up and saw the rich dropping their offerings into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow dropping in two tiny coins. He looked at his disciples. He said this. Hey, guys, look at this. Truly I tell you, he said, the poor widow has put in more than all of them. For all these people have put in gifts out of their surplus. But she, out of her poverty, has put in all she had to live on. All she had to live on. Lord, I pray right now, God, that you would help us to understand what Jesus is saying here. Lord, help us not to jump to conclusions, but help us to be uh, discerning in how you have elevated this woman, woman's story and what we can learn from it. In Jesus' name, amen. Should we only be generous when we have more than enough? Should we only be generous when we have more 
than enough. Sometimes we think generosity is more the responsibility of the wealthy or those that have the time and resource to spend. I know how many times we've heard the concept of people's fair share. Right? People got to pay their, their fair share. Okay. All right. There's some things about this story that are interesting, and we often jump to conclusions. Notice that Jesus is not chastising those who are giving out of their abundance. He's actually not. He's not chastised. But he is saying that this woman has given more when she's actually given much less. I think if we wait to be generous until, we're, until we are absolutely ready, we will never be generous because we are never absolutely ready. There's never like the perfect time. There's never a moment where like, man, if I just had this, because it's always more. The, the, the problem with that concept is this. It, the focus is not on the need. The focus is not on God. The focus is on me. When I get, then I will. But when you get there, you're always going to have another, well, when I, because the focus is not on you. Here's the, here's the point. Generosity is always sacrifice. We'll, we'll flesh that out a little bit more. The story of the widow's might emphasizes the power of generosity. The scene describes the rich giving in the offering box. Amid these people, Jesus saw a poor widow put two copper coins. Now, I have, in my office, I have uh, those coins from the first century. I have a, I have a, um, a couple of them in my office. Is anybody interested in seeing what they look like? They're really small. They're, super, they're smaller than a, than, a, than a dime. Okay? Um, the mite, also known as the lepton, was 0.12 uh, grams of weight. Very small. It was a Jewish coin and the smallest used in the New Testament time. At the time of Mark's writing, it was worth 1 64th of a denarii. Now, we know a denarii from last teaching, past teaching, a denarii is one day's of labor, one day's worth of labor. So one sixty-fourth of a day's labor. In today's terms, it would be, it would be worth about one-eighth of a cent. But when Jesus sees this woman, he declares to his disciples, truly I tell you, the poor widow has put in more than all of them. For they all contributed out of the abundance, but she out of the poverty put in all she had to live on. So there's, there's three things. I mean, there's more than three things, but there's three things I want to kind of draw out today from this story about generosity. Number one is motives matter. Motives matter. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 1 through 3 says this. If you speak with the tongues of men and angels, but don't have love, and I don't have love, I'm a, only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have gifts 
of prophecy and can fathom all the mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have a faith that can move mountains but have no love, I am nothing. If I give all that I possess to the poor, this is what we're kind of talking about, and give every over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I don't have love, I gain nothing. So Jesus walks into the temple courts, and his senses are accosted by this. All these boxes. Okay? He's hearing this. There's a bunch of different boxes, and people are just throwing in their denarii. It was a common practice for the rich to bring gifts to the temple and make a show. Make a show. Maybe they would do it harshly. Maybe they... See, I didn't even look. Isn't that pretty good? It's a weird thing called gravity. I don't know. Their generosity was scrutinized by Christ because of the motives of their hearts. The sound of their generosity would have drawn out the soft would have drowned out the soft clangs of two copper mites that the widow put in. Yet Jesus sees her heart and marvels at her true generosity. Now, in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, he talks about this. He says this in Matthew 6, 1. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father in heaven. So whatever you give to the poor, don't sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be applauded by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you give to the poor, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing, or left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, I did some research on this particular passage, and there is no historical context or understanding as to the whole idea of the trumpets. There is no ritual where that they know of, where poor people, uh, rich people would get, have trumpets blown before them. Interestingly enough. But there is context for what we're talking about today. The, the boxes, the offering boxes in the temple court were called the shofar chests. And they were shaped like a trumpet. Why were they shaped like a trumpet? I'll tell you why. Because you could easily get the money in but you couldn't get it out. It was narrow. You couldn't get it out. And it was made of bronze. So this is not quite bronze, but this is the concept of sounding the trumpets ahead of you. I don't know that for sure, but there's no context for the concept of blowing trumpets in the streets. I have a feeling this might be what he's talking about. Because those bronze horns 
they actually did a really good job. They showed them in the, in the movie. They actually had the bronze horns. They would have rung out, boom, 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 every coin that was dropped. He said, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Do it in secret. Motives matter to Christ. Motives matter to God. Why are you doing what you do? Why do you give? Why do you, why are you quote unquote generous? It's something we need to think about. Because he's, he's not saying don't be generous. But later on in scripture he says, God loves a what? Cheerful giver. What are your motives? I mean, it's one of the reasons we don't pass the plate in this church. We just give a, we have a drop box or you can give online. I mean, you've probably seen the joke of the guy who's making change on the offering plate as it goes by, right? I'm going to put a five in. Or the guy who's like, ha ha, beat that, suckers. You know, in the offering plate. Like, that's a place to strut. But our motives matter. Jesus is bringing this out. Why do you give is as important as giving. And that doesn't just mean money. We're talking about this widow. He says she gave it. She gave more. She didn't give more, Jesus. She didn't. These guys gave way more. And he's saying, wait, hold on, hold on a second. She gave more because they got more back home. She gave everything. Now, what I find interesting about this passage is this. Jesus didn't tell Judas, who was the keeper of the purse, to run down there and give that woman money. He could have done that. Judas was the keeper of the purse. He could have, Judas, hey, go catch that woman in the, in the lobby and give her some money to get her through. He didn't do that. Because if we... Give to God simply just to get from God, then our motives are wrong. That brings us back to this concept of rubbing the genie properly. Well, if I just give a certain amount, I know God's going to do. Now, we're going to talk later on today and next week about that principle of stewardship. That's not a, it's not a wrong principle. But the concept is, is, why? This is so important to get the why. Is it just so that you will get more? Or is it to, to spread the gospel, to take care of people as Christ would? If that's the why, then you are a person that he can pour into so that he can pour through. We'll talk about that a little bit next week. So that's the first. Motives matter. Motives matter. Number, th- number two. I want to go to two. Not three, because that would be too early. Number two. Generosity is sacrifice. sacrifice. It is sacrifice. Think about the, just the concept for a second. If it doesn't cost you anything, is it really generosity? Generosity is sacrifice. And no, I'm not saying it's not nice. Like, he didn't chastise these people for, for giving into the offering. He, he's, he's, he's saying, look at these people. They're giving all this money. That's great. But this woman's being generous. Why? Because it costs her something. Generosity 
is sacrifice. Remember what we talked about in week one of the series. We can know what true generosity is by looking at the character of God and the actions of Christ. Now, I'm gonna, I want to bring a connection between two verses here. I think it's very interesting. Now, this one you'll know very, very uh, fondly, John 3.16. For God loved the world this way, that he gave his, his one and only son, that everyone who believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. He gave his son so that we might get. That's a generous thing. That is the most generous thing. Now, just put a one in front of that verse. 1 John 3, 16 says this. This is how we have come to know love. He laid down his life for us. We should also lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. John 3, 16 tells us what God did for the world, how he was generous. And in 1 John 3.16 says, because he was that way, we also should be this way. Does that make sense? Now you connect those two forever now. John 3.16, 1 John 3.16. It's what we're talking about. We can know generosity because we can look at the character of, of, G, of God and the actions of Christ. John 3.16, 1 John 3.16. We can know what it looks like. Generosity is sacrifice. John 15, one of my favorite favorite chapters of the Bible, John 15, says this, verse 12. This is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. Stop. There it is, right? We can know what generosity is because we can see the character of God and the actions of Christ. Love one another as I have loved you. That's a big ask. And they don't even know the half of it yet. Just, just hours away from learning what all that means. No one has greater love than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. He's, he's, he's giving them a little tip here, what's about to happen. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants anymore because a servant doesn't know what the master is doing. Do you hear, hear what that says? If you are a friend of God, you will know what your master is doing and you will try to mimic it. He said, I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything I have heard from the Father. I've, let you, I've brought you in to the inner circle. You have had an opportunity to learn from me. You are my friends. I have, re- I have given you everything that I have to give, and I'm about to do the ultimate. In just hours from, this, from, the, from these words, He's about to lay down his life. He's about to perform the communion task. He says, now I want you to do it. I want you to think about generosity for a moment. And just think about, have I been generous to the point of sacrifice? Or do I only extend generosity when it's convenient for my time, for my budget, for my sanity. Many of you, if you've been here for a while, will have heard this story before. But a few years back, before we came to New Life, um, Lisa and I, I think it was before we had any children, actually, um, I read this book, Just Courage, by Gary Hogan. He's the founder of IJM, which is International Justice Mission. 
And what they do as, a, as an organization is that they work with local law enforcement and governments of countries where there's a large amount of uh, sex trafficking, slave trade. There's slaves. There's more slaves in our world right now than there ever has been, by the way. And much of it is due to the, um, unfortunately, due to the sex trade. Not that any type of slavery would be fortunate. But what I liked about these people is they not only worked with the governments, but they hired ex-military guys to create sting operations in these brothels. It wasn't just on paper. It wasn't just working with the governments. They actually would go in and they would do sting operations. And I was like, I can get behind this stuff. And in this book, he unpacks the life of some of these people who are stuck. Do you know that many of the young ladies who are in the sex trade in Indonesia, for example, are there because their parents sold them there? Some of them unknowingly, they think that their daughter is going into the big city to make money that they can send home, and they never hear from her again. Others, not so unknowingly. These people are poor. How poor do you have to be to sell your daughter? And I just got, man, this book, it's such a little book. I encourage you to pick it up. It, well, unless you want your life to be changed, I wouldn't pick it up. Because it talks about generosity from like, oh, man, it makes me feel like a worm. Here I am. Guys, guys, we complain about this country so much. It's all that's talked about in politics. It's all we talk about. We complain about. Do you realize how amazingly blessed you are to have been, to live here? So many of you to be born here. To never have felt this kind of poverty. This is not the norm in our world. We are so incredibly blessed to be in America. Politics aside, we are so blessed. Wave the red, white, and blue. It is an amazing country. We are so blessed. And we're so fat and we're so wealthy. What do you mean, Pastor? I'm not. Yes, you are. Read that book and you'll be like, oh man, I am a slug. So, Gary Haugen did his job in writing this book because I got together with my wife after reading it. I'm like, honey, we got to do something. So we took, a, we took a hike. Basically, Gary Haugen in his book, Just Courage, told us, take a hike. So we took a hike. And I just, we just talked about how could we as a, as a couple leverage our finances to a point where we are financially uncomfortable? To make ourselves financially uncomfortable to support the ministry, because this was a big ask. We had not supported this ministry yet, and I wanted to support this ministry. So we looked at our budget, and we, we cut things, and we did stuff to make ourselves financially uncomfortable so that we could give to this organization. And we did this every year after. We readjusted. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to let you know a secret. It's kind of 
playing into next week's sermon, but this, we were not able to do it. We were not able to make ourselves uncomfortable financially. The more we cut, the more God poured. I don't know how it happened. The more God poured in to our lives. Lisa would get a big bonus or something would happen and we, we, somebody would give us a gift. or something. It was amazing. I, I, I'm not trying to principalize this concept too much because that's not why we give, right? But I'm telling you, we can do more than what we're doing now. And I know some of you are going to say, like, oh, pastor's drilling hard on the money. I am not. I've tried very carefully to set up in the last two weeks that this is not all about money. There are, do you guys know that there's programs in, your, in, in the schools in your town that will allow somebody to come in and work with an underprivileged child as a mentorship program? Did you know that? There is. But it takes time. You have to literally go, you have to get background checked, you have to do the whole thing. But what you do is once a week you go and you have lunch with that child and you, you do projects with that child and you, you help them with their homework and, and you spend time and you build a relationship with that child. Because they have, maybe they don't have a great home environment. Well, I don't have time for that. I bet you do. It may not be easy, it may be a sacrifice of time, but I bet you do. We can do more. We can do more. Generosity is sacrifice, according to Jesus. Last one. God sees. Go back to that scene, right? Go back to that scene. And picture this little woman. I love the depiction of her in that, in that, in that story. And she just kind of walks up, and she's hearing this. And then she just pours hers in. You think anybody's going to hear hers? No, it's not why she did it. She goes and she puts her two little coins that get drowned out by the din of all the other large gifts. And she walks away. Jesus saw her. And if Jesus hadn't been standing in that temple court, God would have still seen her. God sees. He knows. Alan uh, Walworth, in an article entitled Unlikely Champions, describes the power, powerful testimony of the widow's generous spirit. He says this, Both in the Old Testament and New Testament tell stories of unlikely generosity champions. Men and women who play out their lives, often in obscurity, except for the watchful eye of the biblical narrator and God. He goes on to say this. What in this world, or perhaps what beyond this world, would cause the poor widow to give everything she had left in an ordinary offering at the temple? We don't know her story. We don't even know her name. But you can be sure. There is a story there. Think about that for a second. I wonder what her story was. What was her story? We don't even know her name. Behind every great act of generosity is a story. I just told you one of ours. 
I probably lost my treasures in heaven for that story. So you're welcome. And nobody, if anybody pats me on the back on the way out, you're stealing more of my, just leave it there. Behind every great act of generosity is a story. Even if only, even if it's only known by the giver and God. Don't let your right hand know what your left hand, because the God who sees in secret will reward you. He knows your name. He knows her name. She's not obscure to him. She's a person. She's a child of God. He knows who she is. Jesus recognizes her generosity. He knew there was a story there. It intrigued him. He knew that her heart was overflowing with generosity. He commended her for his faith, her faithfulness, and he told his disciples to notice her. Guys, hey guys, come here. Look, look at this. Look at this woman. Do you see what she's doing? I want you to do that. I know her. Matthew 6, 3 through 4 says this. We just read it a little bit earlier, but I want to bring it out again. When you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that the giver may be in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Malachi 3. You are under a curse, your whole nation. Why? Because you have, you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe in the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Then he says this. Test me and see. See if I don't see. Right? I want, you to, I want you to think about this. Test me and see if I don't see. Says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will never be, there will never be room enough to store it. And I love this passage. Mark chapter 10. Think about this. Jesus said, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mothers or fathers or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the gospel who will not receive a hundred times more now and at, uh, now at this time houses, brothers and sisters, mothers and children and fields with persecution and eternal life in the age to come. But many of the first will be last, and the last first. What is he saying here? If you give your money, God's going to give you two houses. Did you realize that? He's going to give you two houses. He's like, no, you're not. No, that's not what he's saying. Please. Golly. I'm like giving you, you know, 100 mothers. That's not what he's saying. He's saying this. He's saying this. A generous spirit towards people brings to you far more joy than holding on to your money. You're going to gain brothers and sisters that you didn't even know you had. You're going to gain mothers. I think this woman, I have a feeling that she could give the last she had because she was a mother to somebody. Somebody had her back. 
I don't know that, but I know her generosity God saw. You're going to have, what does it say? You're going to have houses and, you're going to, your generosity, you're going to have not one house, you're going to have two houses. Because why? Because you're going to have friends who have houses. You're going to maybe even help them to keep their house. You think there's a room for you there? Absolutely. But what does it say? You're going to have all these things, and you're going to get persecuted too. Ah, why do you have to put that one in there? It was sounding so good. And eternal life in the age to come. But many of the first will be last. And the last, what does, that, what does that mean? It means this, guys. So many of us who think we are so generous are giving out of our surplus. And we haven't even scratched the sur- surface of sacrifice. And many of us, many of us in here today who may be feeling like, man, I don't have a whole lot. You're giving far more than you actually know you are. You're giving your time. You're giving your energy. You're giving what little you have to the kingdom. And God's saying, I'm going to put in the kingdom. The scales are going to be revealed. That widow is going to be at the front of the line. And those guys who are giving out of their surplus, now that's not that they're doing anything bad. He's not chastising them. He's just making a comparison. They're going to walk behind her, and they're probably going to glor- they're probably going to praise her as, as being this woman of generosity. On that day, who are the trumpet's going to be blowing for? You see what I'm saying? So generosity is always true generosity, Christ-like generosity. I shouldn't say just basic generosity, but Christ-like generosity is always sacrificial. It always goes the extra mile. What did Jesus say in his Sermon on the Mount? If somebody slaps you on one cheek, you slug them in the nose. Because he deserved it. What did he say? No. Yeah, he's not denying the fact that he did deserve it. But we're generous and we don't give it. If, if somebody compels you to take his gear a mile, let's talk about the Roman occupation. If a Roman soldier would come up to a Jewish person and say, hey, listen, take my gear a mile. You're, by law, you're compelled to do that. He said, don't drop it with anger at the mile marker. Or maybe just a little bit before the mile marker. Take it too. What is that? That's a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice of your own pride. It's a sacrifice of your legs. Sacrifice of your time. I got better things to do than carry your garbage around. Oppressor? No, hey, let me take it another mile. That's sacrifice. If somebody sues you and demands your clothes, that's pretty bad. Think about that. He said, you know what? Give me your cloak too. You want, you want this? Here, have that too. Because I'm not, I'm not going to live in that petty world. You, you want to take everything I got? Well, you might as well have this too. 
And what does it say? In doing that, you heap coals, fiery coals on their head. What does that mean? It means you shame them. Because their, their thoughts and their actions are so terrestrial instead of being eternal. It's like by being the person, the person of true generosity, by being sacrificial, you show your quality and you show who you serve. So it could be money. This is a, this is a, this is a, uh, a conversation that deals with money. And I've had to be dealt with in my use of the money that God has given me. I got so, I, when after reading this book, I got so fed up and almost like sick to the stomach about how much of my resource I was pumping into me. And I was like, that's sick. That's sick. There's little girls in brothels in Indonesia and Asia drugged out of their mind, and I'm pumping all my resource into me? That's sickening. It made me sick to my stomach. And I said, I got I to gotta change. I got to change. I got to change. I, I, I had no choice. Then I went and asked the boss. And she said, yeah, let's do it. And every year the money increased in generosity because God found somebody. He said, yeah, I can trust this person. He's not just going to pour into him. That's a principle we'll talk a little bit about next week. But I just want to ask you today, just in closing, let the Holy Spirit work on you. How sacrificial are you being when it comes to generosity? I bet there's a little bit more that we could squeeze out of ourselves, if we're being honest. If we're being honest. We are pretty blessed people. Lord, thank you for this opportunity we have today to to not only just be convicted, (laughs) but Lord, to just take a few moments and realize just how blessed we are. To, to, To be thankful for the amazing blessings that you have given us. Lord, thank you for this country. Lord, I didn't do anything to deserve being born here. This is all I know. God, help me to be more thankful for the blessings that I have that I didn't do anything to earn. Lord, help me to look around. Like, I said, like we said last week, let's take the blinders off. Let's, let's, let's get our peripheral vision going here. Let's check our mirrors and see the difficulties that are around us and see how we can be generous and sacrifice out of our abundance, we could do so much for the kingdom and so much for people. God, I pray right now, Lord Jesus, that you would work on people's hearts to try to be creative and think of ways. Maybe, maybe they're not financially able at this moment. Lord, I pray that you would give them creative ways to start in other areas of their life to be generous and then to start budgeting their life so that they can be more generous financially. Lord, I just pray, God, that you would see people in this church that don't see their resources that they've been given as just a thing they can pump into themselves, but as a way to to use and to steward the generosity that you've given us so that we can be the light of the world.
a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. So give us wisdom, discernment, and creativity today in the heart of true generosity. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless. Have a great week. Hey, Thanksgiving, right? We have a lot to be thankful for, don't we? I hope you enjoyed our podcast today. To find out more about New Life Church or to plan a visit, go to our website at discovernewlife.org.